Welcome to Crossing the Line with Dr. Larry Little, a podcast brought to you by Eagle Center for Leadership. This episode includes content on suicide that may be sensitive in nature. We want to give listeners and viewers the opportunity to use their discretion and anticipate topics that may be potentially triggering. That being said, this is an incredible episode with a leader's journey of hope, perseverance, and success. Let's join them now. Hey, everybody, this is Larry Little, and you're listening to Crossing the Line, a podcast where we talk with leaders about the moments in their lives when they cross the line from leading with their head to leading with their hearts and from leading with their hearts to leading with their heads. This is a podcast about leaders, not so much about leadership principles or tools, but leaders. And on this particular episode, we have an incredible leader uh, who we are talking with. His name, Ian Richardson. Ian really is a possible serial entrepreneur. He's founded three businesses, sold one, and is in the process of selling another with his wife. And Ian founded his first company at the age of 21. But that's not what makes Ian special. And, you know, I've done a lot of these podcasts. I've, I've interviewed uh, a lot of leaders uh, in, in life and in this podcast. I don't know that I've ever interviewed someone who was so open, so transparent, uh, so real. And I, I really believe that, that that was purposeful. I think that there's a purpose in this podcast, if you will. What Ian says, it really, I believe, somebody needs to hear. I think you're going to be amazed. I think some of you uh, really need to hear what Ian is saying. You may be at a place in your life right now, personally even, where what he says truly can make a difference for you. Uh, in fact, this was such an impactful interview that we're going to divide it in two. We're going to have a part one and part two. This is part one. Uh, so I want you to listen. I want you to really pay attention. I believe that um, there, there is a reason that we had this podcast with Ian Richardson. So let's listen in. I'm going to be quiet because this is too important for me to go on and on about. It's really important that you hear. Well, this is going to be a fun one. I am so excited. I'm, I'm talking to my friend, Ian, who is living the life that um, most of us would love to live. And uh, I mean, it's just about freedom. And, and he is just an amazing leader. I'm talking to him right now in his camper. And he's just, I'm like, Ian, what, what are you doing? He's like, well, we just go hang out in the camper every week. We, we just, we do this, my wife and I, and go where we want to go, do what we want to do. And Ian, you know, you're my hero. Welcome. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Larry. It's a, it's, it's a privilege and a, and a pleasure to be here. And everyone, everyone should go get a camper van. It's just, it really is free. <laughs> I'm loving it. I can, you know, uh, for those of you that aren't on YouTube, but that are listening, I'm looking at him and he's just, he's just up in this camper and it looks so cool. And, and it's like, I could just go where I want and I have a place to stay. I can hang out. It's the life. And, and, uh, and so I guess the word is you're intentional about being uh, unintentional. Maybe, I don't know. That's, that's a good way to put it. It's, um, I've found that if, if we can simplify certain areas of our life, other areas become better. So by not having a huge space to even move around in, much less keep clean and not having 
TVs and unlimited things and all of that and, and being intentional around cleaning a space that opens the opens the door for us to be more creative and be more mm. kind and we're you live out of the van not in a van so I'm in the van because I need because because we're doing this call and we're doing the podcast but usually we're out and we're in nature and and doing things and seeing things mm. and exploring new places and it's just a really it, it creates a deeper relationship between Carrie and I every day that we're in here so wouldn't give it up for the world well I'm so um, jealous and I'm proud of you for doing that and as we talked about in the intro you're a leader who thinks differently and uh, you've already done some incredible things and I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about not not what so much you've accomplished in your leadership journey uh, maybe not so much about your business but about you and how how you you garnered those those leadership characteristics the, those things that make you who you are make it makes Ian who he is so let's let's go back let's take a little journey back and uh, Ian is is around eight years old and tell us uh where is he where are you at eight and what's a day in the life of Ian like uh, as an eight-year-old yeah so um when I was eight I uh I grew up in a healthcare household uh healthcare was the family business so my dad was a family practitioner uh, which is a specialty just like a cardiologist or a surgeon, but it's, it's focused on the wellness of the family and, and providing end-to-end care. And he was one of four partners in a little small country office that was the second best office in the state. And the first best office was a 150 provider monstrosity health system. So it was those big guys with their unlimited budget. And then these little itty bitty four doctors in Holt, Michigan, who were, um, really focused on quality care. So because of that, my dad was the president and the CEO of that corporation. He was gone most days before I woke up and didn't come home most days before I went to bed. And my mom was a neonatal intensive care nurse, which um, the neonatal intensive care unit, the ICU is where really, really sick people go. The neonatal intensive care unit is where really, really sick brand new babies go. And more often than not, um, when you go into the NICU, you usually don't come out uh, in, in that sort of a scenario. So my mom uh, spent her career doing that until she got really, really sick, mm. which eight-year-old Ian, my mom would have been in the throes of dealing with unmitigated, uncontrolled lupus, plus really bad arthritis, plus other stuff. So she couldn't go out in the sun. She didn't really go many places. So I wasn't... Um, I wasn't on many sports teams because my dad wasn't there. My mom couldn't go out to games. Uh, so there wasn't a lot of sport or team activity. And I was a bit of a, I was a bit of a loner and really got pushed around and bullied a lot when I was a kid. Um, I got, I, I got my, I got my rear end stomped all the way up through probably about sophomore, junior year in high school mm. when I got bigger. And once you get bigger, then like that, that sort of activity stops. Uh, and there wasn't really, this is, I mean, we're going into ancient history now, but when I was growing up, there wasn't some of that intentionality around children's mental right. health and creating no. a safe space. This was pre Columbine and pre a lot of that other attention in some of the, some of the areas that have caused some pretty big rifts in America. So I was just one of those faceless numbers who kind of was on the short end of the 
proverbial stick there. So if I was eight, I was hiding on the playground and trying to get through school and trying to make friends and failing and not really knowing how to talk to people and not knowing really how to open up or, or be friends or, um, or interact. So like school was before college school was kind of a lonely, sad place, Mm. uh, for me. And that's, that's kind of the, uh, the history in the life of Ian was trying to, trying to please a father who didn't, uh, well, my father's dead, so I don't, I don't really like to speak ill, but my father was a hard man to please and an easy man to disappoint, and he never hid either. Uh, and so, in general, I uh, was chasing after approval that wasn't really mine to gain. So wow. That's, uh, that is, uh, that, that's an incredibly insightful statement, Ian, that I wonder how many people are, are right there even right now and, and your willingness to share that vulnerability uh, is amazing. Thank you for being so authentic and honest about, about who, who you were and what you were trying to do. And, and that was really not even attainable, but it had to be difficult as you move through these years. Let's say you're up into um, before you got big, let's say you're at, at 11, 12, 13, What's going on, man? Yeah, um, that's middle school leading into high school. That's I started getting into a lot of trouble. I was getting into a lot of fights, losing more than I went, losing more than I won, starting to push back. I mean, you you start going through the the mental and physical changes of your brain developing as a young man. That's that's testosterone hitting. That's puberty. That's all that sort of stuff going through life was confusing. I wasn't paying attention in school. I was really, um, not putting forward effort in school. So C's and D's in courses instead of the A's and B's that should be attainable with a bit of time, skill, and effort. Um, and, uh, I remember eighth grade near the end of the term, they pretty much said, look, you can graduate, but why don't you not come back? for the last couple of weeks because there was just a lot of tension and and again just getting in a lot of getting in a lot of schoolyard scrapes and stuff and and looking back at it it's kind of what were you what were you doing and how much time did you waste and how much energy did you throw away and and even through freshman year I kind of really started messing around in high school and, and I don't know when it hit it might have been a it, it might have been a school teacher like there was a there was a gentleman in high school named Mr. Backus who was a computer a computer science like programming teacher went through a couple of courses of there and he said hey you could do this this could be kind of a a pass forward to you i remember when i was 15 or 14 i was down in my dad's basement at his practice installing one of the first health records off of old floppy drives uh, on his system and I started getting interested in computers and that's kind of I guess you get that it's a light bulb or an aha or, or something where hey I, I need to start doing something and school suddenly became dramatically important in my eyes it became important to show up and, and get good grades I wanted to try to do better 
Mm. Um, and so I, I guess that would be probably a, a, a turning of a corner. On the same token, though, in a social um, part of the story, I really started falling in with the wrong crowd. So while I was trying to do better in school, I was staying out late. I was partying. I was I picked up smoking cigarettes at 14, a terrible habit. Um, and thankfully I've been broken of for a long time, but started smoking early, started drinking early, started going to parties early. Um, just doing a lot of socially self-destructive things, um, looking for acceptance. And that's a, that's a crowd that mm. I guess looking at it reflectively, it's easy mm -hmm. to fall in with a partying crowd because when everyone's partying, everyone's your best friend and it's easy to feel popular and easy to feel desired as a friend as a person as a, as a human as an individual it's it's easy to feel that need for acceptance and as a outcast for all of my childhood years that was something that was addicting like an, an addictive sure yeah to, to try to fit in so yeah it would have been both both of those things would have been happening simultaneously around that time goodness gracious and so you're trying to figure it all out some some light bulbs are coming on but in terms of the social needing that social acceptance and and heading in the wrong direction to to get that so it had to be a very difficult time uh where even even i'm sure with mom and dad still having their own issues and and probably not as involved at that time and and Ian, what did you if as you think back now think back to you look back at that freshman year that that 10th grade ninth grade 10th grade year somewhere in there what did you what what did you learn what if you if you look back and go you know as i think about things here's a takeaway from from that era of my life what would that be oh uh, you know there's a couple of different things um there is a skill i'm, I'm such a fan of your book series because i love I'm, I'm a big animal lover and i love to relate things to hey here's this this part of me that reminds me of an animal or an animal speaks to me around that and there's three outside of the camel lionness of my personality type or lion camelness really right. um there's three animals that really resonate. And I guess the, in, in that age, chameleon is really um, mm. an interesting set. And that was the learning the art of fitting in. So the, there's a lot of good negative lessons that are self-evident for drinking and partying and, and, and doing all the things that accompany that, which right. those, those are easy mistakes to make, but the positive takeaway which i'd rather focus on a, on a positive takeaway is that i learned how to yeah. talk to people wow that's good I learned how to read a room and i learned how to fit into that room in a way and that's the chameleon part is hey like you can that's a skill just like just like doing a push-up or going to the gym or cooking or whatever you can learn that skill and you can exercise that skill and it made it easier to walk into a room where i didn't know anyone I didn't feel like I, like it, it was easy to beat back imposter syndrome and say, no, nah, you belong in this room, just like any other room, go make it your room and, mm. and learn how to talk to people. So that was probably a, a big takeaway from that time. And then the other piece of it is that 
and this was a lesson that unfortunately took me probably until my early 20s to learn is that actions have consequences and the consequences matter so learning that if you don't show up you don't put in the work you don't get the grades if you don't have the grades you can't go to a university you won't get a scholarship which is where i kind of ended up i um i didn't i didn't get to go to a traditional college experience going to the dorms and all of that when i was 18 i moved out of my parents house because there was a lot of tension there and worked full time from about 16 moving forward um and uh dove in and and went and worked at a local community college during the day so i could afford one to two classes on a compensated or reduced fee schedule at night and that's how i went through school wow so uh, you you actually put even though wow you you came from a family that probably had resources what i heard you say is you worked your way through college yep yep i worked uh i took it took about five years to get through the traditional three-year program because instead of doing four or five classes at a time I would do one or two that's that's how many free credit hours I got from the work at the school and then uh when I was done with the with my fifth year um the community college I went through Lansing Community College had a three plus one program so you could get your three full years at the community college with their reduced tuition and accessible hours and then you do one year at a um, at a private university, and so I did that final year at Northwood. And my um, at, at that point, I went and talked with my dad and said, "Hey, like, can you co-sign? I won't be able to get a student loan." And he said, "You know, you've you've worked pretty hard these past five years. I'll pay for the last year." So he stepped in and used those resources so that I could have that last year of school for free, which was an amazing gift um, because I didn't walking out of undergrad, I didn't have student debt. Wow. I walked out yeah. debt-free. I, I could take risks. And uh, one of those risks was diving into my business a few years later that I wouldn't have been able to do if I had two or $3,000 a month of debt payments I had to service. So how did you do in college, Ian? How, was, how yeah, did that um, go for you? I graduated with honors from both the community wow. college and the, and the undergrad. So Unbelievable. So. Look at you. With honors, I mean that's amazing. What a what a turnaround. What a why did you why did you not give up? You you know you're you're working. You're going to night school. There had to be a million other things you'd rather be doing. Why did you pursue that and stay the course? So early on in my twenties, um, I was still. This is probably would have been twenty or twenty one. I was still in with the wrong crowd. And I made a, a routine amount of very, very poor decisions. And from that crowd, a couple of people got pretty hurt. A couple of people got into some significant trouble and, and ended, up, ended up incarcerated. And um, I got very, very depressed from a couple of... Uh, a pretty significant physical alteration in which I got hurt Mm. um, and didn't have a lot of friends, didn't have social support, wasn't speaking Mm. with my mother and father at the time. And I ended up on a, on a footbridge in Lansing at night and uh, uh, attempted a uh, attempted 
suicide. So it, it's not that I didn't give up. I did give up and it didn't work. Mm. Um, and in that space, it's an interesting, this is a first time I've really talked about it in a public venue. My wife knows about it, but not, no one else does except now 20,000 people. So <laughs> hello world. <laughs> so when you get into that space, my experience there is it wasn't so much a feeling of helplessness. It's a feeling of acceptance. And I guess a metaphor is the easiest way for me to describe that. When your head gets into that space, imagine right. that you're in a lake and you're swimming. Yeah. And you're out in the middle of that lake and then suddenly you forget how to swim. And so it's not like a pool where you can hop and just grab onto something and say, all right, well, I need to catch my breath. You're just bobbing up and down in the lake and you kind of go under the lake and you push yourself back up and you go under the lake and you push yourself back up, but you're never really, really comfortable. And after a while, you still don't remember how to swim, but you say, like, is this really how I want to spend the rest of my life is just trying to keep my head mm. above water. Mm. And all it takes is a snap moment of like, the, no, I don't want to do that to make a, a terrible mistake. And thankfully, mine didn't work out. There's no lasting impact from that. No one was hurt. Um, but it... Uh, it was a wake up call to say that something's got to change and, and you got to focus down. We're going to stop the podcast right here for part one. I want you to think about what Ian is saying. I want you to think about where, where he has been, what he has been through. This is, this is an incredible story. I want you to hear the rest of the story coming out in, in part two. But think about uh, the impact that our environment has on us. Think about Ian going through his early years in elementary school, middle school, scared, hiding on the on the playground, being bullied. Uh, think about his his desire and drive to be accepted, and thinking maybe he had turned a corner and 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 had began there his love for computers, but yet socially not turning a corner, and it led to devastation. It led to a suicide attempt. Uh, what a powerful story from an incredible leader who was vulnerable with us. Uh, if perhaps you are struggling, you got to know there's a rest of the story. You got to know that, that Ian's going to come back and tell us uh, how he got to where he is today. So don't give up. Um, and please stay tuned and, and listen to the rest of his story because there's a rest of your story. Uh, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, there is a rest of your story, and you get to write that story. Ian decided he would write his script differently, and you can too. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to Crossing the Line. I hope that this podcast has been impactful to you. I hope it has resonated with you and reminded you that we all have choices that have consequences, and both are real. Uh, I hope that as you listen to part two, it will encourage you to continue to cross the line to make a difference. We look forward to seeing you on part two of the Ian Richardson podcast. This has been Crossing the Line with Dr. Larry Little. If you or someone you know are struggling, experiencing a crisis, or just need someone to talk to, contact your local mental health professionals. 
or you can visit or call the 24-hour National Crisis and Suicide Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. If you want to learn more about Eagle Center for Leadership, visit our website at eaglecenterforleadership.com.